Act Three of The Two Gentlemen of Verona. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Two Gentlemen of Verona by William Shakespeare. Act Three. Scene One. Milan, the Duke's Palace. Enter Duke, Thurio, and Proteus. Sir Thurio, give us leave, I pray, a while. We have some secrets to confer about. Exit Thurio. Now tell me, Proteus, what's your will with me? My gracious lord, that which I would discover, the law of friendship bids me to conceal. But when I call to mind your gracious favours done to me, undeserving as I am, my duty pricks me on to utter that which else no worldly good could draw from me. No, worthy prince, Sir Valentine, my friend, this night intends to steal away your daughter. Myself am one made privy to the plot. I know you have determined to bestow her on Thurio, whom your gentle daughter hates, and should she thus be stolen away from you, it would be much vexation to your age. Thus, for my duty's sake, I rather chose to cross my friend in his intended drift than, by concealing it, heap on your head a pack of sorrows, which would press you down, being unprevented, to your timeless grave. Proteus, I thank thee for thine honest care, which to requite command me while I live. This love of theirs myself have often seen, haply when they have judged me fast asleep, and oftentimes have proposed to forbid Sir Valentine her company and my court. But fearing lest my jealous aim might err, and so unworthily disgrace the man, a rashness that I ever yet have shunned, I gave him gentle looks, thereby to find that which thyself hast now disclosed to me, and that thou mayest perceive my fear of this, knowing that tender youth is soon suggested, I nightly lodge her in an upper tower, the key whereof myself have ever kept, and thence she cannot be conveyed away. No, noble lord, they have devised a mean how he her chamber window will ascend and with a corded ladder fetch her down, for which the youthful lover now is gone, and this way comes he with it presently, where, if it please you, you may intercept him. But, good my lord, do it so cunningly that my discovery be not aimed at, for love of you not hate unto my friend, hath made me publisher of this pretense. Upon mine honour he shall never know that I had any light from thee of this. Adieu, my lord. Sir Valentine is coming. Exit. Enter Valentine. Sir Valentine, whither away so fast? Uh, please it, your grace, there is a messenger that stays to bear my letters to my friends, and I am going to d deliver them. Be they of much import? The tenor of them doth but signify my health and happy being at your court. Nay, then, no matter. Stay with me a while. I am to break with thee of some affairs that touch me near, wherein thou must be secret. Tis not unknown to thee that I have sought to match my friend, Sir Thurio, to my daughter. I know it well, my lord, and sure the match were rich and honourable. Besides, the gentleman is full of virtue, bounty, worth, and qualities beseeming such a wife as your fair daughter. 
cannot your grace win her to fancy him no trust me she is peevish sullen froward proud disobedient stubborn lacking duty neither regarding that she is my child nor fearing me as if i were her father and may i say to thee this pride of hers upon advice hath drawn my love from her and where i thought the remnant of mine age should now have been cherished by her childlike duty i now am full resolved to take a wife and turn her out to who will take her in then let her beauty be her wedding dower for me and my possessions she esteems not what would your grace have me to do in this there is a lady in verona here whom i affect but she is nice and coy and naught esteems my aged eloquence now therefore would i have thee to my tutor for long agone i have forgot to court besides the fashion of the time is changed how and which way i may bestow myself to be regarded in her sun-bright eye win her with gifts if she respect not words dumb jewels often in their silent kind more than quick words do move a woman's mind but she did scorn a present that i sent her a woman sometimes scorns what best contents her send her another never give her o'er for scorn at first makes after love the more if she do frown tis not in hate of you but rather to beget more love in you if she do chide tis not to have you gone for why the fools are mad if left alone take no repulse whatever she doth say for get you gone she doth not mean away flatter and praise commend extol their graces though ne'er so black say they have angels faces that man that hath a tongue i say is no man if with his tongue he cannot win a woman but she i mean is promised by her friends unto a youthful gentleman of worth and kept severely from resort of men that no man hath access by day to her why then i would resort to her by night ay but the doors be locked and keys kept safe that no man hath recourse to her by night what lets but one may enter at her window her chamber is aloft far from the ground and built so shelving that one cannot climb it without apparent hazard of his life why then a ladder quaintly made of cords to cast up with a pair of anchoring hooks would serve to scale another hero's tower so bold leander would adventure it now as thou art a gentleman of blood advise me where i may have such a ladder when would you use it uh, pray sir tell me that this very night for love is like a child that longs for everything that he can come by by seven o'clock i'll get you such a ladder but hark thee i will go to her alone how shall i best convey the ladder thither it will be light my lord that you may bear it under a cloak that is of any length a cloak as long as thine will serve the turn ay my good lord then let me see thy cloak i'll get me one of such another length why any any cloak will serve the turn my lord how shall i fashion me to wear a cloak i pray thee let me feel thy cloak upon me what letter is the same what's here to sylvia and here an engine fit for my proceeding i'll be so bold to break the seal for once reads my thoughts do harbour with my sylvia nightly and slaves they are to me that send them flying oh could their master come and go as lightly himself would lodge where senseless they are lying 
my herald thoughts in thy pure bosom rest them while i their king that hither them importune do curse the grace that with such grace hath blessed them because myself do want my servants fortune i curse myself for they are sent by me that they should harbour where their lord would be what's here sylvia this night i will enfranchise thee tis so and here's the ladder for the purpose why phaeton for thou art merop's son wilt thou aspire to guide the heavenly car and with thy daring folly burn the world wilt thou reach stars because they shine on thee go base intruder overweening slave bestow thy fawning smiles on equal mates and think my patience more than thy desert is privilege for thy departure hence thank me for this more than for all the favours which all too much i have bestowed on thee but if thou linger in my territories longer than swiftest expedition will give thee time to leave our royal court by heaven my wrath shall far exceed the love i ever bore my daughter or thyself be gone i will not hear thy vain excuse but as thou lovest thy life make speed from hence exit and why not death rather than living torment to die is to be banished from myself and sylvia is myself banished from her is self from self a deadly banishment what light is light if sylvia be not seen what joy is joy if sylvia be not by unless it be to think that she is by and feed upon the shadow of perfection except i be by sylvia in the night there is no music in the nightingale unless i look on sylvia in the day there is no day for me to look upon she is my essence and i leave to be if i be not by her fair influence fostered illumined cherished kept alive i fly not death to fly his deadly doom tarry i hear i but attend on death but fly i hence i fly away from life enter proteus and launce run boy run run and seek him out so ho so ho what seest thou him we go to find there's not a heron's head but tis a valentine valentine no who then his spirit neither what then nothing can nothing speak master shall i strike who wouldst thou strike nothing villain forbear why sir i'll strike nothing i pray you sirrah i say forbear friend valentine a word my ears are stopped and cannot hear good news so much of bad already hath possessed them then in dumb silence will i bury mine for they are harsh untunable and bad is sylvia dead no valentine no valentine indeed for sacred sylvia hath she forsworn me no valentine no valentine if sylvia have forsworn me what is your news sir there is a proclamation that you are vanished that thou art banished oh that's the news from hence from sylvia and from me thy friend 
Oh, I have fed upon this woe already, and now excess of it will make me surfeit. Doth Sylvia know that I am banished? I, I, and she hath offered to the doom, which, unreversed, stands in effectual force, a sea of melting pearl, which some call tears, those at her father's churlish feet she tendered, with them upon her knees her humble self wringing her hands whose whiteness so became them as if but now they waxed pale for woe but neither bended knees pure hands held up sad sighs deep groans nor silver shedding tears could penetrate her uncompassionate sire but valentine if he be ta'en must die besides her intercession chafed him so when she for thy repeal was suppliant that to close prison he commanded her with many bitter threats of biding there no more unless the next word that thou speak'st have some malignant power upon my life if so i pray thee breathe it in mine ear as ending anthem of my endless dolor cease to lament for that thou canst not help and study help for that which thou lamentst time is the nurse and breeder of all good here if thou stay thou canst not see thy love besides thy staying will abridge thy life hope is a lover's staff walk hence with that and manage it against despairing thoughts thy letters may be here though thou art hence which being writ to me shall be delivered even in the milk-white bosom of thy love the time now serves not to expostulate come i'll convey thee through the city gate and ere i part with thee confer at large of all that may concern thy love affairs as thou lovest sylvia though not for thyself regard thy danger and along with me I pray thee, Launson, if thou seest my boy, bid him make haste and meet me at the north gate. Go, sirrah, and find him out. Come, Valentine. Oh, my dear Sylvia, hapless Valentine. Exeunt Valentine and Proteus. I am but a fool. Look you. And yet I have the wit to think my master is a kind of a knave. But that's all one, if he be but one knave. He lives not now that knows me to be in love, yet I am in love. But a team of horse shall not pluck that from me, nor who tis I love. And yet tis a woman. But what woman I will not tell myself, and yet tis a milkmaid. Yet tis not a maid, for she hath had gossips. Yet tis a maid, for she is her master's maid, and serves for wages. She hath more qualities than a water-spaniel, which is much in a bare Christian. Pulling out a paper. Here is the catalogue of her condition. Imprimis, she can fetch and carry. Why, a horse can do no more. Nay, a horse cannot fetch, but only carry. Therefore she is better than a jade. Item, she can milk. Look you, a sweet virtue in a maid with clean hands. Enter Speed. How now, Signor Launce? What news with your mastership? With my mastership? Why, it is at sea. Well, your old vice still mistake the word. What news, then, in your paper? The blackest news that ever thou heardest. Why, man, how black? Why, as black as ink. 
Let me read them. Fie on thee, jolt head, thou canst not read. Thou liest, I can. I will try thee. Tell me this, who begot thee? Mary, the son of my grandfather. Oh, illiterate loiterer, it was the son of thy grandmother. This proves that thou canst not read. Come, fool, come, try me in thy paper. There, and St. Nicholas be thy speed. Reads. Imprimus, she can milk. Ay, that she can. Item, she brews good ale. And thereof comes the proverb, Blessing of your heart, you brew good ale. Item, she can sew. That's as much as to say, can she sew? Item, she can knit. What need a man care for a stock with a wench when she can knit him a stock? Item, she can wash and scour. A special virtue, for then she need not be washed and scoured. Item, she can spin. Then may I set the world on wheels when she can spin for her living. Item, she hath many nameless virtues. That's as much as to say bastard virtues, that indeed know not their fathers and therefore have no names. Here follow her vices. Close at the heels of her virtues. Item, she is not to be kissed fasting in respect of her breath. Well, that fault may be mended with a breakfast. Read on. Item, she hath a sweet mouth. That makes amends for her sour breath. Item, she doth talk in her sleep. It's no matter for that, so she sleep not in her talk. Item, she is slow in words. Oh, villain that set this down among her vices! To be slow in words is a woman's only virtue. I pray thee, outwift, and place it for her chief virtue. Item, she is proud. Out with that, too. It was Eve's legacy, and cannot be tamed from her. Item, she hath no teeth. I care not for that neither, because I love crusts. Item, she is cursed. Well, the best is, she hath no teeth to bite. Item, she will often praise her liquor. If her liquor be good, she shall. If she will not, I will. For good things should be praised. Item, she is too liberal. Of her tongue she cannot, for that's writ down she is slow of. Of her purse she shall not, for that I'll keep shut. Now, of another thing she may, and that cannot I help. Well, proceed. Item, she hath more hair than wit, and more faults than hairs, and more wealth than faults. Stop there, I'll have her. She was mine and not mine twice or thrice in that last article. Rehearse that once more. Item, she hath more hair than wit. More hair than wit. It may be. I'll prove it. The cover of the salt hides the salt, and therefore it is more than the salt. The hair that covers the wit is more than the wit, for the greater hides the less. What's next? And more faults than hairs. That's monstrous. Oh, that that were out. And more wealth than faults. Why, that word makes the faults gracious. Well, I'll have her. And if it be a match, as nothing is impossible. What then? Why, then will I tell thee that thy master stays for thee at the north gate. For me? For thee. I, who art thou? He hath stayed for a better man than thee. And must I go to him? Thou must run to him, for thou hast stayed so long that going will scarce serve the turn. Why didst not tell me sooner? Pox of your love letters! Exit. Now will he be swinged for reading my letter, an unmannerly slave that will thrust himself into secrets. I'll after to rejoice in the boy's correction. Exit. Scene two. The same. The Duke's palace. Enter Duke and Thurio. 
Sir Thurio, fear not but that she will love you, now Valentine is banished from her sight. Since his exile she hath despised me most, forsworn my company, and railed at me, that I am desperate of obtaining her. This weak impress of love is as a figure trenched in ice, which with an hour's heat dissolves to water, and doth lose his form. A little time will melt her frozen thoughts, and worthless Valentine shall be forgot. Enter Proteus. How now, Sir Proteus? Is your countryman, according to our proclamation, gone? Gone, my good lord. My daughter takes his going grievously. A little time, my lord, will kill that grief. So I believe. But Thurio thinks not so. Proteus, the good conceit I hold of thee, for thou hast shown some sign of good desert, makes me the better to confer with thee. Longer than I prove loyal to your grace, let me not live to look upon your grace. Thou knowest how willingly I would affect the match between Sir Thurio and my daughter. I do, my lord. And also, I think, thou art not ignorant how she opposes her against my will. She did, my lord, when Valentine was here. Ay, and perversely she perseveres so. What might we do to make the girl forget the love of Valentine and love Sir Thurio? The best way is to slander Valentine with falsehood, cowardice, and poor descent, three things that women highly hold in hate. Ay, but she'll think that it is spoke in hate. Ay, if his enemy deliver it. Therefore it must with circumstance be spoken by one whom she esteemeth as his friend. Then you must undertake to slander him. And that, my lord, I shall be loath to do. Tis an ill office for a gentleman, especially against his very friend. Where your good word cannot advantage him, your slander never can endamage him. Therefore the office is indifferent, being entreated to it by your friend. You have prevailed, my lord. If I can do it by aught that I can speak in his dispraise, she shall not long continue love to him. But say this weed her love from Valentine, it follows not that she will love Sir Thurio. Therefore, as you unwind her love from him, lest it should ravel and be good to none, you must provide to bottom it on me, which must be done by praising me as much as you in worth dispraise Sir Valentine. And, Proteus, we dare trust you in this kind, because we know, on Valentine's report, you are already love's firm votary, and cannot soon revolt and change your mind. Upon this warrant shall you have access where you with Sylvia may confer at large. For she is lumpish, heavy, melancholy, and for your friend's sake will be glad of you, where you may temper her by your persuasion to hate young Valentine and love my friend. As much as I can do, I will effect. But you, Sir Thurio, are not sharp enough. You must lay lime to tangle her desires by wailful sonnets, whose composed rhymes should be full fraught with serviceable vows. Ay, much is the force of heaven-bred poesy. Say that, upon the altar of her beauty, you sacrifice your tears, your sighs, your heart. Write till your ink be dry, and with your tears moist it again, and frame some feeling line that may discover such integrity. For 
Orpheus's lute was strung with poet's sinews, whose golden touch could soften steel and stones, make tigers tame, and huge leviathans forsake unsounded deeps to dance on sands. After your dire lamenting elegies, visit by night your lady's chamber window with some sweet concert. To their instruments tune a deploring dump. The night's dead silence will well become such sweet complaining grievance. This, or else nothing, will inherit her. This discipline shows thou hast been in love. And thy advice this night I'll put in practice. Therefore, sweet Proteus, my direction-giver, let us into the city presently to sort some gentlemen well skilled in music. I have a sonnet that will serve the turn to give the onset to thy good advice. About it, gentlemen. We'll wait upon your grace till after supper, and afterward determine our proceedings. Even now about it, I will pardon you. Exeunt. End of Act Three